0: You're listening to Perfectly Scarred Podcast. In today's episode, I am joined by the founder Felicia Miller of Greater Purpose Counselor. She is a licensed professional counselor out of Indianapolis, Indiana. And the mission of Greater Purpose is to come alongside you and identify your needs so that you can live a victorious life. So, in this conversation, we talk so much about mental health and why it's important not only in just our movement, but just in general. And so we discussed many topics in this conversation, but the greatest takeaway for me that I got while I was listening to her and also while I was editing this podcast was that you meet people where they are and ministry is not the same for everybody. And to not allow you to put your God in a box and what he can do for your life. Uh, Miss Miller talks about how she started uh, Greater Purpose and, and and the mission of Greater Purpose. And we also just discuss different topics that are going on from what's happening in the church, what's happening in culture, mental health. We talk about racism. We talk about church culture. We talk, We talk about so many things and it's so good, y'all. I mean... Just a blessing to be able to speak with her uh, about this topic. And so I just, I pray that you see yourself as worthy. I pray that you see yourself as who God sees you and wanting to develop a closer relationship with him and also knowing that that happens with our mental health as well is so important especially on this healing journey, especially if you have um, trauma and that you're overcoming, you're dealing with it. And in this holiday season, I purposely waited to release this the week before Christmas, just because of the fact that I just wanted you to know that there is a place for you to go if you're dealing with uh, any issues regarding mental health and that 2022 and the end of 2021 does not have to be the same. You are worthy, you are important, you are valued, and we need you in the kingdom. And so I just hope you enjoy this episode. Um, please like, share, share. Who, if you're touched by it, please send to someone else so that they know too that there is a place for them to go. Um, so without further ado, we're going to get right to the episode. And like I said, share it, like it, do whatever you need to do, and be blessed at the end of this. Welcome to another episode of Perfectly Scarred Podcast. I'm your host, Kayla Nelson, and I am here with a very special guest, um, Felicia Miller. Would you go ahead and just introduce Mm -hmm. yourself for me? Yes, good
1: evening. Thank you for having me on here. I'm so excited to be on here. Um, My name is Felicia Miller. I have a licensed mental health counselor associate in Indiana. Um, I have a counseling office called Great. I am the owner of Greater Purpose Counseling, LLC, which is based in northern the north side of indianapolis and we do virtual therapy all over indiana we have a couple of different people who contract work with me so we can basically do offer therapy to the hispanic population with english and spanish and then we work with torture and trauma we have all have experience working with the justice system and sex trafficking and all the ugly stuff that nobody talks about (laughs) yes
0: and so today we're going to kind of talk about a little bit about that um As everybody knows, this season is talking about all things healing. And so why not start with someone who is in this profession that knows the the terms, that knows all the things and get her take on it and what um, her purpose is in the the kingdom. Um, So Felicia, I just wanted to kind of just ask, what is the value of understanding mental health?
1: You know, A friend of mine who's also a therapist, Shannon, she just posted this amazing meme and it was like, if we deny mental health is real, we might as well deny that the fall with Adam and Eve happened. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's, oh, that's, that's amazing. And that's, that is what happens is when people deny that mental health is real you're literally denying such a big aspect of your life. And it will affect you spiritually, emotionally, relationships. And my husband works in transplant. And so all of the, so many of your body parts can be transplanted, you know, but your brain cannot. The second it is deemed brain dead, you're done. You're now an organ donor. And that is the one organ, everybody, when it comes to mental illness, so many people believe it, but it's not real. Right. And so it's, it's so, so it's important in every aspect of your life, church, business, neighbors, family, I mean, communication, all of it, it's so vital in life. And yet we all get up, we breathe every single day, but we also don't apply anything mental because it was such a taboo thing for so long.
0: Right. And let's talk about that. Would it all be the in, things. Would it, hey, we're going to go there. let's talk about why it is a taboo topic it depends on
1: who you talk to um taboo topic in the sense of what I notice is the church overall didn't talk about things because across the culture you know like it I don't think it was just like, it because I've, I've studied lots of different religions. I get, I went through a phase where I was obsessed with religions and I'm still very much obsessed with like cults and, you know, different, that dynamic, the psychological part is very mm-hmm. fascinating to me. But in American society, it was just across the board. We don't need religion. We don't, not that we don't need religion. We don't need mental health. You only need the pastor, the pastor to pray for you and, and the Holy Ghost and God. You do need those. You need a healthy, good pastor, okay? Mm-hmm. Not just any pastor, you need a healthy one that knows boundaries and is actually talking to God. And we need to be able to understand teaching and go, oh, we didn't know this because for so long it was, we just, we don't do this. And what happens is these pastors, if they acknowledge they're going to cross over into something, they don't know. They now give up control. And that's Mm -hmm. a big one is you got pastors who are like, they come to me for everything and now you're telling me that you're going to help them i have to relinqu- relinquish a little bit of control which in reality if they didn't look at it as a control thing but as a support thing now we can work tandem to help this person holistically there's no fear of losing them and that's a, that that would be the biggest thing is a lot of old school pastors fear if i send you if i send my person to you you're going to mess with their brain pull them away from god and you're going to pull them away from my church
0: mm-hmm.
1: when in reality that's not what's happening so yeah. yeah that's I see that a lot
0: and that is interesting it it's one of those things that is it's like I, I want like you said control and I want to be in control of their life when when really getting the help that they need will help your church like it will <laughs> <laughs> it, it will help you it will help them and help them become better. It, um, it helps
1: embody it helps empower them. Yeah like oh my goodness, this thing in my brain, I had this trauma piece and I have all these supports like in the clinical world, everything's about supports. You come to the therapist once a week, once every other week, but what are the supports in, in place? Mm-hmm. who's working tandem. And we used to do these team meetings like, oh, okay, you have a behavioral therapist, a speech therapist, a, you know, family therapist, mom has a therapist, the case manager, the probation officer, we would all come together and we would all pull things together to lift the person up.
0: Right.
1: Not thinking that like, oh, because I work with you, it means it's less than it's, I don't get tired by, you know, having to give you support. I have extra support that I can tap somebody else in. And if ministry teams will look at, and I've seen that, I've, I've seen that with multiple clients where I'm working with releases because that's important. I have to have a release to be able to tell someone that, hey, this is my person and we're going to work together. But when I am able to do that with a pastoral team mm-hmm. and help them go, this is what they're struggling with, hey, this is how they're trying to help you. Next thing you know, doing just even a handful of those meetings, that person taps in and they know what to pray for this person spiritually because pastors are also they're not mind readers right and so if you get a healthy pastor and you get a good pastor who's got higher education they're into pastoral counseling they recognize mental health is real they they can't read your mind and so a lot of people because they come from an old school teaching they come and they're like pray for me but they won't say these are the things I'm struggling with yeah and then the pastor is like I don't know what to help you on because you don't tell me anything because they're afraid to be vulnerable
0: so what would be some of the stigma against regarding mental health.
1: I mean, I know you've you got a lot of. <laughs> oh, stigma is anything that relates to being crazy. A lot of people are like, I'm not crazy. I don't accept that. La- I get told this a lot. I don't, I don't accept that label. God didn't give me that label. Um, and stigma being that if I go to mental, if I admit that I have mental health issues, that I'm broken there's something wrong with me. I can't be used in ministry. Um, that the other thing is everything is spiritual, you know, for a lot of people that are not on the mental health side of it. And they're, and they're just not educated. I I don't know how else to paticate that and make it sound pretty, but when you have a lack of education,
0: you don't believe what's that look like? (laughs) <laughs> so, so, and i'm asking because sometimes you have to just say it we just gotta we gotta be practical so people will understand like this is what this looks like are you talking about what mental health looks like no like education? In, in, in that situation where somebody could be using that
1: the person who typically a person who says oh bipolar mood disorder schizophrenia symptoms of PTSD, any of the personality disorders, any of these things are just, they're a spiritual battle. They're not real. Many of those people have a high school education or a GED. Most of those people, they might have a trade. Now I, and I'm all for trades. We need trades, Jesus name. We need more, we need more people going into trades in the United States. But they also may, they may have some trainings, but they've been very particular about the trainings and the trainings or the materials that they read are not clinical. They fit the narrative that they want to stay in
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and they, they do not receive. It's like they have a literally a mental block, like, nope, I know that's there, but I can't see it. So therefore I just, all I read are these things. And then when you try to point out, like, this is clinical science. It doesn't matter if, you know, it's 1950 and you're, you know, black in America, if it's 1980 and you're Asian in China, if you know, whatever the demographic, the science will show the same thing. It will hit this criteria, yeah. but it's generally what I've noticed is the people who don't believe in mental health, they, they literally have no higher education and they really don't do a lot of any other training or here's the other spin that it's not, there's no one in their family that has mental health issues, hmm. you know, cause it makes it really different when you have a family member that is bipolar, schizophrenic, has experienced PTSD symptoms, has depression, clinical depression, not situational depression. Like it makes a complete difference. If it's the person you are in love with, that is your child. That yeah. is your partner. You marry, that is your mother. It makes a difference. Mental illness gets real. When yeah. You're like having to go and, you know, they're in the hospital, they get arrested, you know, and, and like, you're in the throes of it. You're like, oh, it, this is real. I need to get educated on it. But it's, if it's not in that proximity, oh no, that's spiritual baby. Yeah, That's spiritual. You just, you didn't pray enough, but then that opens up the door for like spirit, low spiritual self-esteem. If you've got a person who has been apostolic their whole life, baptized in Jesus name, they've gotten the Holy Ghost to speak in tongues. They are at the door every time it's open. You know, like everybody knows, you know, sister Joe and sister Jane and mm-hmm. everybody knows them, but they literally are struggling with bipolar, but you tell them, no, you, you need to pray some more, you know, or they have a PTSD something because of experienced trauma. Oh, you just, you know, you didn't give it to the Lord. And you got this person going home, like. What else do I got to do? Start myself because I fast. You know, I'm doing all this stuff. What am I doing wrong, God? What did I do wrong? Yeah. You know, and I've had that happen. I had someone tell me when I was in like 12 years of infertility that the reason I wasn't getting pregnant was because I hadn't forgiven my mom. And because we have a traumatic background. Right. And I'm sitting here like, that ain't got nothing to do with this. I see one of the top fertility specialists in Indiana and I have had multiple surgeries because I have endometriosis. That's nothing to do <laughs> with God shutting up my womb.
0: Yeah. And I was like, that's interesting because one of the things that I, I think back to what you said, as far as if, as long as somebody hasn't experienced it or, you know, saw it firsthand and it does it doesn't affect them. And I think a lot of yeah. times, even with the pastors back then, until, um, until they had a child that dealt with something like mm-hmm. that. And it's just like, uh, my, one of my friends, she, what's that when they, after they have the baby. Oh, postpartum. Yes. Postpartum That's real. depression. And, and really a lot of women were going through that back mm-hmm. then and yeah. they didn't have a, they didn't know Mm-mm. it was just like, Oh, we'll just pray it away and just get through it. Yeah. But it's like, they didn't have an answer for it. And so Mm -mm. to think of how many women just was like, just gave up. Yeah.
1: So many women. Like when you go unheard, eventually you just give up.
0: Mm -hmm. And then
1: you find ways to self-medicate. Yeah. Now that I will say is hard for me when I go into any community that's a religious community. It doesn't have to just be apostolic, but if I go to any religious community And I see people who obviously self-medicate with food Yeah. and they believe in, you know, some people, some people's body is chemically shaped a certain way because of their hormone about hormones, thyroid, you know, PCOS, all these different things. Those are all also clinically proven, but there are some people who emotionally eat and self-medicate with food. And it's like, can we talk about seeing a therapist so you stop harming yourself? And they're, no, I don't need a therapist. There's nothing wrong. And I'm like, okay, sure. (laughs) But it's, and it's like COVID, like, you know, so many people were like, COVID's not real until they got COVID. Someone they knew was put on a ventilator. Someone died of COVID, you know, like it entered their proximity.
0: And even, uh, even, in 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 our community, in our in religious communities, I see a lot of times we don't know how to one, we don't know how to eat, mm. you know, and yeah. and the fact that we do emotionally eat, and then later on get down in life, and like now you got these heart problems, now you got now you got diabetes, and you're struggling with sickness, but you and then you still Mm -hmm. won't eat right you still won't do right because you never got to the root of why problem right you never saw yourself worthy enough to even (laughs) eat better and go Mm -mm. exercise Mm -mm.
1: well you got to remember there was there, there were people who taught if you exercise like that's a sin because you know you shouldn't be doing that you should be studying. Like it's, it's the most, there were so many people like that I used to work out all the time and they would just like, Oh, you know, you really shouldn't be doing that. And it's like, but if you exercise, if if a person actually does high impact cardio for like 30, 30 minutes to an hour, every single day, it releases enough dopamine in their body to act as an anti-anxiety pill and antidepressant. Mm. When you talk to doctors, you talk to nurse practitioners, you talk to therapists, the body that stays in motion, it, it keeps moving. You know, body emotion stays in motion. Yeah. And if you keep doing all this stuff, you get your natural internal systems moving, then all of a sudden, and it's the heart, it you, you you feel better and you start working off all the extra stuff that makes you sick. But there's a whole thing called ACES. It's a study that it's like 10 questions that talks about you know, prior to being 18, you know, did you see all these different traumatic things? And if you have like a score of five or higher then your predisposition to actually be sick with some of the stuff you talked about because you learned unhealthy coping skills. You learn how to self-medicate with food, cigarettes, liquor, um, sex. Sex is a big one. No one wants to ever talk about that, um, that they use sex for self-care and they use sex for risky behavior to feel better because they were trying to attach to somebody. But it opens up the door for all these other chronic things. And then they go to the doctor and they're like, Oh, I don't know how that happened, and it's like, well, go see a therapist, and I bet you'll figure it out.
0: <laughs> right, right. I mean, because even on my journey, like one of the one of the things I'm trying to get back to is eating better and exercising. Mm-hmm. And and it wasn't until my my therapist she was like, you don't see yourself worthy, mm-hmm. you know. And so, and you know, I was in a group setting. She was like, you don't see yourself worthy enough, so that's why you eat. And I didn't even, I didn't ever think yep. about that. Like, I just, you know, you just eat, you want to mm-hmm. eat good and you really don't think about it and then like, oh, you self-sabotaging. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's a real thing. Like yes. I just
0: give up and I'll go ahead and eat this
1: thing that I know is going to make me sick, that I know that I'm allergic to that, you know, because I just, I feel sad and I'm, no one's going to love me anyways. I might as well give up. Like there is a whole thing for like eating disorders, there's even a whole thing for intuitive eating, you know, like I'm really hoping to bring on a nutritionist and, you know, there's different people I want to bring on to my company for contract work because there's so much to it that is yeah. connected that if we just changed a few things and connected to why am I just mindlessly eating? Yeah. Why am I just sitting here? Because I, there's something in me. It's people look down on the person who's sitting there chain smoking, but they don't look down on the person who's smashing a bag of Doritos or shopping or sh- oh girl <laughs> girl with that retail therapy now and I love shopping don't get me wrong I do too I love to go without my children I love to go to the store and take my time and buy like a new outfit or you know um other things like I love guns and ammunition and all that kind of stuff like I, I don't need a brand new bag just buy me like a gift card to go buy gun accessories <laughs> but like Seriously, people will just mindlessly shop because it makes them feel good and they get addicted to the high and then they come back home and they're like, oh, oops, I just spent my rent. Now I can't pay my rent. So, no, you know, I need to go. I need to go sell plasma to be able to sell my rent, to be able to go do whatever. But now if they are on a shopping spree during a manic episode, it could also be like a little bit of light if it's like, oh, we just drained the entire bank account for a whole week and disappeared. And then we do it again and we do it again you know, then it can open up the door that someone might actually be bipolar 1. Mm-hmm.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah,
1: people, people overlook that uh, retail therapy. Uh, oh, yeah. That, you know.
0: <laughs> yes. That's, I've, I've been kicking my, you know, I have to, the Lord is working on me and he's like, Kayla, do you really need that? Do you really need that? What are mm-hmm. you trying to, why, why are you, you got clothes in there? What, why do you, yeah. you know, are you like just, who are you
1: trying to look good for? I'm just, yeah, <laughs> it's a real stuff? thing. Like people don't, I mean, you know, it's okay to, and, and now that, okay, hold on. So there's histrionic personality disorder, right? And mm-hmm. when I'm in a crowd, I'm like, oof, and there goes histrionic walking right there because they are the most eccentric flashy dressing person. They have the loudest outfit and And I, and I don't mean loud, like, you know, they went and found something couture that was really expensive, but it's just very classy and in 20 years you could still wear. I mean, like nobody's missing them. They're saying hi to everybody just standing there. Like it's a whole thing. Like histrionic personality disorder, they dress in loud clothes to get attention, loud shoes. I mean, over eccentric everything, you know, of course there's other criteria that go with it, but usually that's like the first dead ringer oh you have a personality disorder and it's histrionic
0: (laughs) I didn't I I didn't even know that I I just people don't I I just think people just like to stand out you know just I've seen some interesting things and I'm just like (laughs) "Hmm." I don't know if I would have accomplished that but you know
1: and some people look fun in really funky outfits and they can pull it off. And a funky outfit is not necessarily histrionic, yeah. like, you know, unique style. I can roll with that all day long, but it's, it's completely different. It's just like, does anyone see this? Can we get a camera on this person? <laughs> and then they would just stand and pose for you. Like they wouldn't even be, be like, baby, go ahead and hashtag me on that. <laughs> Cause they want the attention. It's yeah. all about the attention. I need all of this attention because the only attention I got as a kid, was if I was performing. Right. So it becomes how, it becomes their self-worth. It becomes everything that is about how they're viewed is look at me, look at me. And this is how I know that you love me.
0: Yeah.
1: Take the attention away, they're going to act out and, you know, totally freak out and cry and self-sabotage and do all kinds of stuff.
0: What, as a as a therapist and, mm-hmm. and someone who is growing, um as far as the this movement that you have which is you know in especially in apostolic what are some of the challenges that you faced with the church like in doing what you do
1: i would say when i when i told people i was uh, god opened the door for me to get my masters because at the time that i had learned about liberty university i was in school to become an interpreter for American sign language. And I was literally sitting in class when I got a text message from a, a friend of mine who was like, oh my God, IBC, you know, accepted. they accepted IBC's credits. So I went over got, and I they accepted me. I was the last one from IBC to get accepted to Liberty. And I remember telling my husband, I was like, I don't know what God just did, but it's accredited and we're, we're running through the store. And from the beginning, I had... A lot of people who absolutely was like, yes, we need this. Like they were very encouraging, but then there was also these other people who were not, "Mm, we don't really need that. Mm
0: -hmm. Um,
1: I remember I, I maxed, I got everything down to my internship and I was very huge pregnant with my son. And I remember sitting in the nursery with my other two who were in diapers and I got mommy shamed by other moms because they were like, so you're going to finish your degree. And I was like, yeah, like, yeah, like I'm literally, all I have left to do is my internship and I have a master's and then I can get my license and like, I could work part time and like make decent money and I can provide for my family. And, you know, I'm like, I'm at the end game and my student loans, they want their money. And I got mommy shamed by people because it was like, well, you should want to stay at home. You should want to be a mom. And And I remember just thinking like, you are, you all are not my people. And like, I I remember from that day, I never stepped foot back into that nursery again, because I was like, I, mm -mm. I changed my kids' diapers in other parts of the church, other parts of the church, because I refused to go back into that nursery. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And then when I graduated, I was working and, um, you know, working with sex trafficking, working with abused kids, working with all the stuff. And there were people that were like, "Mm, that's nice, but that's not really ministry. And I'm sitting here like, but I'm pretty sure there's scripture that talks about working with the homeless, the broken, the fatherless, you know, all these different people. And that's every single thing that I'm doing, yeah. you know, like some of my kids are like, yeah, Miss Felicia, like, let's pray. And I I did supervision under a, a spirit filled person. And she was like, yeah, go through, pray for the walls. And, you know, like this is spiritual. This is not clinical. And so that I, I was groomed in that and trained in that clinical and spiritual environment. Um, but I would have people that was like, Oh, you know, like they did not consider what I do real ministry. Um, and I remember there was one particular person that seen me and before then there was a lot of stuff I did with the church, um, volunteered with doing lots of different things. And they were like, and they were crying. Like they were crying and they were like, I haven't seen you. Like, I'm really worried about you. And, you know, where have you been at? And I'm like, I've been at my, my church and, you know, and they're like, are you doing ministry? And I'm like, yeah, like, dude, I work with sex traffic victims. It's amazing. You know, I get to hold them while they're broken and cry and pray Mm -hmm. and fast. And and they were like, no, like, are you doing real ministry in a church? Mm -hmm. And I was like, and my sister, she just turned around, walked away. She was like, (laughs) nope. I know she, turned out she was like nope I'm going away and I just sat there and I was like Are, is this a real conversation that I'm having like oh my gosh and they were just like well you know I couldn't do what you do and I'm like you're right you couldn't God didn't call you to do what I do
0: mm-hmm. God
1: called me because I can sit in that room where these people have I can sit with evil Yeah. And I can sit with the aftermath of what evil has been done. He didn't call you because it would break you. Right. And they looked at me and was like, God bless. And just kept moving. And I literally had to start coming up with good comebacks for people because literally for a year, I had 50, 50, 50% of people, sis, we need you. We need what you're doing. You know, can I send people your way? Can you come and talk to us? You know, people would call me, man, can I, can I just bend your ear for a minute. And I got questions. Yes. You know, my answer is always yes. If I'm not with a yeah. client, yes. Oh my gosh. I won't answer any question on mental health. And then I would meet other people. And the other 50% would be this like passive aggressive shaming. Oh, that's nice. We don't really need what you're doing. Maybe that'll be good for some people. I can't believe you really did that, you know, cause you are a woman, you know, but you're not clergy licensed. So you know, I just, uh, I don't, I don't just put as much value in it as you do. Like multiple different people, you know, would just tell me this stuff in passing, mm-hmm. you know, oh, you know, the mom shaming. So you're still working? Like who's with your children? And I'm like, I'm at home with my kids because I can do virtual therapy. <laughs> like And make a little change.
0: What you do? Let's see.
1: Yeah, like the (laughs) pandemic hit, like I'm sitting here like looking at my husband and we just cried because Mm -hmm. we were like, he looked at me, he's like, Felicia, you, you really heard God tell you to quit your job. He was like, because we didn't know a pandemic was going to happen and he's still working in surgery. And he's like, you get to do virtual therapy at home and do virtual learning with our children. Yeah he was like, I'm never questioning. He's like, not that he ever really questioned me. He just, he's along for the roller coaster ride of being married to Felicia Miller, but like, and he's, he's front seat with me, you know, hands up screaming, like, what are we doing? But he was like, I will never question anything when it comes to greater purpose, yeah. you know? Cause there's, there were times I, I feel like God's like, Hey, don't charge this person. And I won't charge them. And he's like, how are we going to pay the mortgage? I'm like, I don't know. God's going to get God, hook it up. I don't know. You know, I'll be like, God, you know, God said, well, go ahead and barter with this person. Yeah. This person's going to come to you with bartering. Okay, yeah, let's barter. And he's like, well, how are we going to pay the van payment? <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, God's going to provide. I'm just rolling with this, man.
0: Right. And no one, no one saw that coming. You know, no I one. even I've heard a lot of, I follow a few, you know, mental health experts and therapists and stuff like that. And so a lot of people actually, That were in that field had already started going virtual, yeah. And then, but they didn't really know what was coming. And they say, you know, I follow one guy. He says, I had no clue that this pandemic was coming. I all I knew was that God start says start doing this, and I was like, nobody's gonna come to this. Mm -hmm. Nobody's gonna be on this. And then the pandemic hit. Yeah, phones ringing yeah you know because people you're realizing okay people are at home with themselves yes and, and then they at home with these kids that's bad yeah you no know? <laughs> yeah you know they, they, realize, you also- they can't do what they thought they would be able to do people lost jobs and all these yeah. things were happening. and if
1: you have no healthy not i didn't mean to interrupt you but no, you're so right. you're on a train girl if nobody if you don't have good healthy coping skills The amount of DCS calls for kids being reported as abuse went down because there's no schools. There's no other Mm -hmm. set of eyes going, why are you coming in with a black eye? Mm -hmm. Why are you coming in like this? So the calls that were coming out of Marion County, they were calls of kids being killed. Mm -hmm. They were calls of being of kids having been so hurt that they had to go to the ER. Like the domestic violence stuff went up Mm -hmm. across the nation because nobody's reporting it. And if you've got someone who has no coping skills and alcohol went up, drug use went up and they're all at home smacking their kids and smacking their wives, but no one's coming out. There's gonna be a whole nother wave of trauma that comes out of, I was at home and this went on. You know, yeah. kids who are being sexually abused and you're locked up with the person who raped you. Yeah. Now they're gonna get raped even more. They're gonna get molested even more because I'm gonna take my frustration out on you. So, yeah, it's a, it's a whole, I remember I had arranged because when I, so God told me in 19, start, start your business. I was sitting in the back of my church and God was like, stop being bitter. You need to get over yourself, get over everything that happened. I need you to be about my business. And I was like, yes, yes, sir. I, I hear you. Um, I'm, I'm okay. I hear you. I even had the date written down in my Bible. I remember the sermon, like the whole nine yards. And I started doing research. What would it look like to start a private practice? And I, you know, I have my core group of people that is, I mean, they're my everything. They're my ride and dies. And I was like talking to them about it. Like, could I really do this? You know, like, could I really do this? Like this, this is unprecedented. Like there's some people in other States doing, you know, clinical, but they, they're not doing it in the facet that I want to do it with the apostolic community. And and just a side note, I do work with people who are not apostolic because I I have those too, but, um, I just was like, man, how do I do this? And we were like, we figured it down to the money of, I needed like $5,000 and my husband gets bonuses. So he's like, I got 2,500 for you. He's like, I will just, I will hand over my bonus check to you and not even bat an eye. And then I had an angel investor who called me. and was like, I was at church. They told me to give you $2,500. And I was like. I can't take that, like I don't go into debt. I don't borrow money from people. We will we will eat some beans and rice before I'm bo- I'm gonna borrow money from anybody. Like I'm not doing that. And they were like, no, you will not rob me of my blessing. You will not owe me money. You will take this. And it was and she, she was like, you make sure when you say on January 1, 2020, you can take clients, make sure everything's legal. And I did, and I was like, oh my God, here we go. And I had five clients and then God was like, Hey, you need to stop. Cause I, I was so burned out. We were just on call all the time. And yeah. it was just crazy. And I remember I was like, I can't do this anymore. I, I, I cussed everybody out at work and walked out. Like, I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> I, I dropped my basket. I, I had just been pushed to the edge. And that's why I was like, it's time for me to go. I can't be here. But my supervisor who spirit filled woman talked to her the next day. She's like, Felicia, God told me it's time for you to be done. She's like, this is not, it's, you're done. Your work here is done. You need to go, you need to do your company. And then my last day was March 6th and the pandemic hit two weeks later and we were shut down. And I was like, oh. but all the therapists were freaking out. So I was participating with all these like free videos and free trainings on like what, cause everybody was scrambling. Like, what do we do? And so we, behind the clinical scene, it was like, here, here is training on teletherapy. Here is training on, you know, COVID. Here is training on anxiety and depression related to COVID. And so we were all doing, I was sucking up all the trainings I could get. I was like, oh, that's free. Yes, 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 yes. Let me take it. And I had to position everything around my kids' schedule.
0: Yeah. And it
1: was, nobody knew what they were doing. <laughs> nobody knew, you know, were we all going to die? Were we going to live? And then you bring out like, the conspiracy theorists and the people who are like and and I I am I am not that I don't believe in conspiracies and I don't believe that you know the government has anything I, I don't believe the government is innocent
0: you know mm-hmm. but yeah. I
1: also I it, it brought out the worst side of conservative Christianity yes you know that it, it makes it hard for other people where you're like I can't go off that bridge with you.
0: <laughs> you on there by yourself.
1: Yeah, you on there by yourself. But then you went from the pandemic to the race riots. Yes. You know, the multiple killing of African-Americans in the United States at police. I mean, when I saw George Floyd and I saw the video, I was like, oh, 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 we are in trouble. <laughs> I was, like, the, I was like, not like we as in like just like white people or black people, but like we as a society this is a breaking point. That man was killed on national television. Yeah. Like I was like, oh, this is bad. This is so bad. And then we went right in from being shut down to all the restrictions, to everyone peace marching and rioting. And when I seen, when I seen the riots here in Indianapolis happen, and I, I mean, I used to work downtown. I lived downtown, I did everything downtown like i remember sitting and crying and watching it and i was like this is a trauma response yeah. because i had seen a trauma response over and over again in residential where kids would do what was right they would they would play by the rules and they would go to court and then the abuser got let free the person who raped them was let free they were told to go back to the family who beat them and then they would come back and they would bash out a window they would bash out a wall they would they would hit anything until that thing was broken like they were yeah And having seen that, I just sat there, I was like, oh my God, this is a national global trauma response Mm -hmm. because everyone's been crying out. We need help. We need help. We need help. You know, and then everyone got mad because, you know, people were protesting at the NBA's and the, you know, NFL and the Oscars and the Emmys. And I'm like, if they're, they're trying to get your attention, if people are trying to get your attention in a respectful way and you still don't listen to them they're going to act out in their humanity. They're going to have a response. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that I just sat there and was like, Oh, Oh. And we took the day after that happened, me and my sister and my sister-in-law, we took all of our kids downtown and we were like, we're going, we did a prayer walk and we walked through downtown because we were like, they were all old enough. My kids are little. but I was like, I, we wanted them to remember that we wanted them because the, the gas bombs were still that the, the stink and the pepper was still in the air mm. and it burned your throat and it burned your eyes. I was like, you guys, I want you to remember this. Yes. This is what happens when we pin each other against each other. Mm. And then there was a, someone had uh, spray painted, you know, do you hear us now? And we put all of our kids up in, and you're talking about white kids and black kids, biracial kids. We put them all in a line and was like, and we took a picture of them. Cause we were like, do you get that? You will be treated differently. Like you guys grew up under the same pew in the same church. We're dedicated to the same God. But the second you get behind a car, you will be looked at differently.
0: Mm.
1: How will you protect your cousin? How will you protect your sister?
0: Right,
1: You know, and that became like a thing was like, you guys have got to wake up and see this. Yeah. you know and so yeah it was and then it was just nonstop, and we were getting flooded with calls and how do we do this and how do we handle this and I mean I give mad props to the pastors who navigated all of that well because mm-hmm. there are some pastors who did not navigate any of that well and they weren't talking about the what was happening in society and if they were talking about it, they weren't talking about it with any kind of empathy or sympathy or I mean they weren't even asking like how do I approach this Mm -hmm. you know they weren't even asking the black members of their church how do I do this so I support you and don't offend you right you know and then you have pastors who were they were like we need a meeting come in I want to I want (laughs) to we got to address this you know so I and even with the whole COVID like shut down and do all this stuff I give mad props to the pastors who were really navigating that well because that's a hard thing to navigate and then you're at home with your own people because <laughs> you're still a human as a pastor you still got bad kids and yes. you know you still got your own addictions and issues and you know whatever so yeah
0: <laughs> it's, like it, it was <laughs> it was something last year was something and it's still I mean
1: yeah, going up to 21 and then the the city riots like or the capital the thing that happened on january 6 like, like i remember walking in there were so many times throughout the pandemic and i don't and i actually don't think a lot of people know this about me so here here's some public public fun facts but like throughout the pandemic you know like my mom was diagnosed with cancer she died My favorite longtime pastor's wife died. I we got sick. My stepmom died. So we had all this death around us. Mm -hmm. And there were so many times that I would just sit down and cry. Like we would just be eating dinner and I just could not even control it. And I would just cry. And my kids are like, What are you doing? I'm like, I this is a lot for mommy to process. And then when they were like, oh, they're not going back to school, they're going to virtual learn. I remember sitting on the stairs and I mean, I ugly cried like ugly cried and my kids came around me and they just started praying the name of Jesus yeah and they're like mommy we're here with you I'm like I know but oh my god (laughs) (laughs) you know because I'm thinking of it in so many avenues like my kids are you know kindergarten first grade second grade and that was their experience was virtual learning for a kindergartner you know, I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, like you're social and you're learning and all the things, the positive things from being at school is being shot. And you, you know, like this is awful. And then of course, you know, I don't want to virtual learn my kids. God didn't call me to be a homeschool mom. So
0: (laughs) props to all the homeschool moms. (laughs) That's right. I I said myself, I said, even if I do have my kids at home, whenever I have children, they will be there will be another teacher in the room. It won't, it just won't be me, you know. Jesus. I, I, I pray <laughs> for the abundance so that I can provide that service because it won't come from Kayla, because you know. <laughs> oh.
1: No. Oh, we we me and my neighbors, we had already discussed that if it, it got shut down again, we were gonna pull money and pay some of the virtual teacher children. We, yeah, we and I and
0: I've heard of that. I've heard that because the teacher because it was something well and but it was something where the teacher she uh she lost her job because the Mm -hmm. school funding and something like that and all the parents they came together paid her and they pay her salary it's
1: it's a real thing I yeah it's a real thing and I'm like you found a niche man come on like find that niche wherever it's at. that's And that's a beautiful thing about ministry and Mm -hmm. God in 2020
0: Yeah,
1: is humans have put God in in miracles and ministry in a box and said, this is what it looks like. And God just came in and said, no, 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 baby. Y'all done. Y'all being human and messing it up and you not following what I'm telling you to do. And God came in and smashed all of it and was like, no, and you, this is your ministry. We're going to take what I, the talents I gave you and we're gonna raise you up over here.
0: Yeah. And we're gonna
1: take the talents I gave you and we're gonna raise you up over here. Right. And he kicked the door open in a way and he, he took the walls off the church,
0: he you did. know, and,
1: and he busted up that church culture that I have to go to this building and my building's the only building being saved. And if you go to the other building, you, you go into hell. And he, he busted that up by being able to take something simple as Facebook and be like, here,
0: let's all have service even me, like just doing a podcast, getting this yes. out here, doing, this is a form of ministry that was yes. not there back then. Man. And I can reach, think how many people, and and I think one, somebody that I follow, I think it was Ken on stage. He said, I can reach 3000 people. A building can only have so many people, right. but online I can reach three plus thousand people. Yeah, Why am I limiting yes. myself? Like, why, yeah. why are we limiting ourselves to just a building, which, you know, I work in, I work in civil services too. And people, yeah. you know, people look at me crazy when they say, when I say I work in parole and probation, mm-hmm. you know, and that for, that is my ministry, form a ministry. And that's where I get my passion. I love oh. it. Like, I absolutely love dealing with broken people. Like I love and- it.
1: And God put you there for a reason because that everybody can work with those kids. Yeah. I used to love it when we had the angry kids come in. I mean, them angry kids, they come in, they <laughs> call me everything but a child of God and a white girl. Like I was, I mean, literally everything they had ever been taught to say, oh, it came at me every single time. I just sit there and smile I'm
0: like <sighs> Well, I work, I I work with adults because I'm I'm not that passionate about kids. But one thing <laughs> that I can say is that I get to show them mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, another experience of a Christian, of yes. Christ. I get to yes. show them an example of Christ. And even and, and sometimes I've asked the questions, well, what do you think about God? Mm-hmm. And then I get to go come in when they tell me something, I'm like, I this don't take that. That was misrepresented. This yes. is who he is. Let yes. me show you. Let me even show. I even brought a Bible out one time. I don't think I'm supposed to say that, but
1: <laughs> that's all right. Hey,
0: as long as I'm still there, so hey,
1: yeah. <laughs> you know. ain't got, you ain't lost your job yet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it's 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 one of those things because when people are really struggling, I have people that's dealing with you know mm-hmm. suicidal thoughts, and I ask her, well, mm-hmm. what music are you listening to? Yeah, And why, why are you continuing to listen to that same music? Why don't you listen mm-hmm. to uplifting music yeah. and, and see how your mood will change by you listening and changing the way that you, the, the, the things that you're listening to. Because mm-hmm. if you continue to expose yourself, I ain't, I'm not a therapist. I mm-hmm. haven't been to school for this stuff. But I do know that we can help ourselves in, mm-hmm. in what we listen to and, and, and oh, you're absolutely the people that right. we're around. All those things are factors in our mental health. And so I knew that I know that coming in because I've dealt with it. I can share it with someone else. And that, that's right. That, that's what Jesus wants me to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. as simple as that and the same for you and for people yeah. to say, well, that's not, that's not ministry.
1: Yeah. Uh, no people, you meet people where they're at. Mm-hmm. I mean, every, when, you, when you look at the gospels and you look at everything, Jesus was busy meeting people in unconventional ways.
0: Yep.
1: He was busy meeting people and taking, well, this is what you think, you know, the woman at the well is a perfect example. He said, you guys won't let me do what I came here to do. So I need y'all to go over here because I need to come meet her and I need to meet her where she's at exactly. so that she can go to the next thing. And that's, I mean, that's what God's doing. That's what God's doing with you. Like, Hey, you are a real Christian. You're doing this different. Like, Oh, you're showing me a different perspective of God. Like, that's a real thing because so many people get a very just tainted version of God. And it's like this microwave version, or it's an abusive version, or it's a misuse of scriptures. And, and I love that you ask people like, well, what do you think about this? And, you know, like, How do you see God sees you and all that kind of stuff? Because they'll tell you like, oh, well, this is what basically I was taught. And usually a lot of people have this, like God equals pain, God equals abuse, you know? And and it's like, everyone has this, like, if I do one bad thing, I'm going to hell. And if you look at everybody in the Bible, Abraham was a hot mess. You know, like he, yes. but he's got a trajectory. He got better, but he still would make bad choices. He's still talked about in the New Testament. You got, you know, David, I'm not a fan of King David. I know a lot of people are, he's like the poster child of like dysfunctional families, <laughs> teaches his sons that, you know, you can be dysfunction. He did nothing when his son raped his daughter. He just got mad. Like that's, that's one of my go-tos for rape victims and in, like institutional, like systemic stuff. Like look at Tamar. Like he got mad, he did nothing and all this kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. then, you know, you've got like Peter. You know, Jesus like, yo, you're gonna deny me three times. And he's no, 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 not. there you go. There's your example of relapse. Yep. He denied him three times. And yet when he rose, when Jesus rose, he said, Go get Peter. So I think there's I uh, not I think, I know, I know there is, there is a misconception, because I'm not gonna say I think, because I hear it all the time. There is this yeah. old school teaching. Well, if I make one bad choice. I'm going to hell. And it's like, but the Bible shows so many people who made choices, bad choices over and over again. They learned from them. They got better from them. Yeah. But if people go around and they have this, like, I have to be perfect all the time. Then you have systemic hypocrisy. And that's a whole nother thing. (laughs) Like, I mean, hypocrisy is rooted in, it was acting and Jesus came and said, y'all are acting. You're being spiritual actors, and then yes. you get, you know, today they t- the systemic part, the infrastructure of your organization, any organization will teach you how to behave and how to look apart and speak apart and act apart. But we don't do this other stuff because you're gonna bring shame to the organization, the church building, the church name, the family name, you know. So then you learn institutional and you know, systemic hypocrisy. And you, you know, different than the Pharisees. You're just a modern day Pharisee.
0: That's right.
1: And then you're not a real Christian, and you ain't really representing Christ.
0: Uh-uh. You <laughs> preaching out <all> here, no? <laughs> <laughs> you preaching, you preaching, you preaching. But you, I think, I think
1: about that because we did a Bible study, and I we're wrapping that one up. And I will be definitely recommending that book. That I don't see around here anywhere. Otherwise, I tell you, it's probably downstairs with my Bible. But that's because the systemic hypocrisy is so bad. Nobody's vulnerable about mental health. Right. They're not vulnerable to say, I'm struggling with depression. I am isolated. I'm going to go ahead and kill myself. They just go kill themselves. They die. They complete suicide. Mm-hmm. You know, or they don't say, hey, I'm strong I just need a little help in this area because the systemic hypocrisy says if I show any vulnerability or if I show that I'm not perfect, I, I lose my license, I get sat down, I get shamed, I lose my money, I lose my job. Because at the end of the day, most of the time your ministry is your job. Yeah. You have to pay your bills. That's the business side of church. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to a factory and clocking in and coming home. I'm going, especially if you're like full time and then you're endorsed by somebody or, you know, you're promoted by a a religious entity, you're licensed by a religious entity. Then it turns into, wait a minute, I really, you know, have to have this like wall up because I could lose my job. Right. But nobody talks about that either.
0: (laughs) And then they, and then they talk about. And, and people talk about the pastors that do have side or do have to do other things. Yeah. And so it's a it's a lot of pressure. Like it is to be it's to be successful as far as the entrepreneurship and, mm-hmm. and owning something. And so that you don't have to depend on this and that you can start making demands. Like you can say, you yeah. know what? I'm gonna go on this sabbatical for two months and I'll be yeah. back. And really? I, if you're not here, that's fine because I'm still going to be okay. Yeah, you know, I, I, wish- I have, there's a pastor that I watch and he goes yeah. on a sabbatical mm-hmm. every August, maybe. Yeah. And he just leave. He said, if you you know you need to still come, you still need to be here. You know, yeah. when I when I come back, you know, just because I'm not here, but I'm going on this sabbatical, and there is an increase. You can see mm-hmm. the increase. It's evident. Mm-hmm. Because of the fact that I take he has taken this time, and that's something that I've learned, mm-hmm. is that I need rest. Yes, I need to take care of myself. So if I say no to you, it's okay. Yeah, because it's okay. You
1: know. It's a boundary. Mm-hmm. There is so much, so many aspects of boundaries being violated in the church, which falls into that systemic hypocrisy. Yes. If I, you know, God is first. I get that. I'm all for that but if i put the church members needs and the business side of the church above my family and above myself then i have failed. Yep. Because then kids grow up hating the church because the church came before their needs. Yep. The spouse grows up hating the church because her needs as a spouse was never met. Right. And that and that was that old school teaching, you know, again that basically you didn't take vacation because if you were awake and breathing, you were doing you better by God, you better be doing stuff for the kingdom.
0: Better be there
1: ain't no self-care. God did. Jesus went away before every major thing. He disappeared for like he a did. little bit. He
0: did. And yet
1: pastors don't get that. And I, I appreciate my pastor, he does. They, they they are pro-vacation, pro to self-care. And I think it's healthy. They got healthy boundaries. They're like, nope, we gotta go. And I think if more pastors did that, you would see less pastors dropping of heart attacks, having strokes, you know, going in with bad blood pressure, being morbidly overweight, you Mm -hmm. know, healthier marriages, healthier relationships with their children. Because you meet a lot of them and they got bad relationships with their kids. Mm -hmm. Because their kids are like, "Mm, well, why am I going to bring anything to you? Because I'm not the church. If I was the church, you would help me, but I'm not the church. So what does it matter? You know, and if more pastors showed and demonstrated mental health and was real and self-care and being able to decompress and disconnect, you would see a healthier congregation because they would be modeling it. Yeah. You know, they would be showing it's okay. This is acceptable. This is, this is what we should be doing. And then you wouldn't have you wouldn't have congregation members burning out. Ooh. Yeah.
0: Yes. <laughs> so that goes into my next question. It was yes. how can <laughs> how can we support our own mental health? How can we individually take care, take better care of ourselves? Like what are some things that we can do practically?
1: Practically, one thing is if no one disconnects every single day, they need to start with five minutes. Everybody needs to take at least five minutes just to like, I'm not gonna be on my cell phone. I'm gonna just sit here and read. I'm just going to do breathing exercises. There is science behind doing breathing (laughs) exercises that I don't think people realize, like it's a whole thing. You're, you're activating your internal systems to do something. But I think people really need that every once a day, like just to disconnect. My goal is always to tell people 30 minutes, but some people can't do five minutes because they can't quiet their mind. Mm -hmm. You know, they can't, they're like, they're so busy racing and trying to run away from whatever they're trying to be so busy to avoid that if they stop, they get, they're like, oh, I can't face this, you know, but I think everyone needs a day that they disconnect and you go to a park, put your feet in sand, put your feet in dirt. If Adam came from the dirt, there is science that proves that if we stick our hands and our feet in the dirt, that we wind up being able to balance out. There's something that happens that relaxes us. That's a whole nother platform. That's a whole nother soapbox. But when we can get into nature and we can just go sit by water and we can hike and, you know, sleep. and Another one is getting enough sleep. Like people have to stop trying to stay up until, you know, all hours of the night and then get up early. Like you need eight to 10 hours of sleep a day. That is how your body heals, it's how your mind heals. Mm-hmm. So being able to eat healthy, sleep healthy, activate the spiritual side, don't just play Christian. You know, don't just look the part and be like, oh, I go to church on Sunday. Look at me. I'm cute. I raise my hand. But like actually pray and like be a part of a Bible study. Do your own Bible study, you know, like do some own research, deconstruct the negative stuff you were taught. Like I'm all about deconstructing. What what was you taught that don't match Bible? (laughs) What was you taught by a rogue pastor that got a revelation and decided to leave an organization because he didn't want somebody to tell him what to do.
0: Oh, I, I, I'm gonna <laughs> just say this I can't stand <laughs> when people talk about them rings. I can't stand when people talk about them rings. I said, Who in the world is going around melting their gold to set up an idol?
1: I said, Who's mm-hmm. doing
0: it? Who's doing Nobody. it? Nobody. Mm-hmm. -mm. You wear your ring if you want to. That's for Mm -hmm. somebody. I'm releasing somebody. oh Yes. Put that ring on. Put that wedding ring on. (laughs) Because because somebody using that to get what they want and they manipulating people. Mm -hmm. And I just can't. Oh, it just yeah. It's it's a whole
1: thing, and it's always I, I meet with different people, and I talk to people, consult with people, and I you know different clients. I'm like, okay, who was your pastor? And I'm like, well, you know, which organization do they belong to? You know, because there's a lot of apostolic organizations and guess what? They're all awesome. Yes. There is not one mothership that's better than the other ones. They're all pretty cool. They're all pretty good. They all say the same thing. You might have one that might be a little bit stricter and, you know, they might have some super safe folks in there and a little bit more on the religious side. But, you know, for the most part, they're all great. And then you do, and usually they'll tell me, well, my pastor left this denomination because he had this going on. He said this. And then all of a sudden you see the expectations and the rules change
0: yeah. and
1: they usually never match biblical standards. Right. And now are there some people who thrive in a very controlling environment? Absolutely. God bless them. But then you've got a good portion of people who God made us to be thinkers. He made us to ask questions, to say time out. This smells funky and feels funky. Where is this coming from? Yeah.
0: And it's- I ask questions. Where does that come from? Let me go find it. Because Yes. You know, it, it...
1: Well, most I organizations, think. when it comes to church hurt and abuse, most, and this is not just within the Apostolic Church. Oh, yeah. this, this is most religious organizations. They are literally only a handful of victims away from being the next Netflix docu-series. <laughs> like, let's just be honest. I mean, (laughs) church abuse is real, you know, sexual abuse and raping and all this stuff is happening. People, I mean, it's in its cultural generational, I think that the newer churches are really getting away from it. But literally, we're just like the next spotlight Catholic Catholic Catholicism outburst waiting to happen, like most denominations. Mm -hmm. And I think when people recognize that, you're going to see that shift where they stop covering up. They start They start being honest and they start holding people accountable and going, mm-hmm. oh, guess what? We're going to take your license, buddy. But then there's also that fear piece where people fear to come forward. They literally fear for their lives to step forward and say, this pastor did this to me when I was a kid. And now, you know, he's brother Deacon, so-and-so who's over this and that. And they're afraid for their lives to come forward and say, oh, when I was 14, they raped me. And I know they raped three other girls in the youth group, you know, or they're a boy or, you know, whatever it is, but they're afraid for their lives to step forward because it gets indoctrinated from an organization that you don't speak against an elder. I'm all for respect, hundred percent. You should be respecting. But if you have a healthy pastor, guess what they're not doing? They're not raping the saints. (laughs) They ain't beating women.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And, and we're not, and I'm promised, we're not laughing because it's, it's, it's serious. It is. But it's we're, serious. it's, it's one of those things that when you work in, in these services, you know, you have to find the, yeah. the, the comical part of it. So yes. don't think it's we're not, taking please. anything. No, it's you know, not. We, because we I are have... just, I, I feel like somebody probably, said, why are they laughing at something yeah. like that? Well, because it's... you have to find hu- humor and yeah, but my niece Felicia just looked at me. I just
1: was. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's it's like when you talk to people, you see the common sense people. They're like, "Well, wait a minute. Who do I call? I got to report this." Like. And yes. I, I, I have met so many pastors. I, I think I need to clarify that. I have met so many pastors who they are quick. Boy, they call in DCS. They call 911. They got oh, people yeah. going and getting rape kits. They, you know, they're like, yo, you can't come back in this building. We need a protective order. Like there are great pastors who are like, we ain't tolerating none of that mess. Yeah. And then I meet, you know, people who come in and they're like, that's not normal. Oh, this has been normal. This was expected of us. And I'm like, no, that's not, that's not normal. That's not even Christ-like. There ain't nothing in the Bible about that,
0: Mm-mm.
1: you know, but that's where, that's where if you have a healthy pastor, you, sh- you should be able to go to that pastor and say, Hey, pastor, I have a question. You said this, but I'm feeling this kind of way. And that's the other thing with boundaries. And they should be able to respond in an appropriate manner, not shame you, not shut you down, not be like, oh, why are you asking me questions and get all defensive? Yeah. Well, that's what you're there for. You're there to teach. Everything should be a teaching moment. But then people, you know, they get, if they've been traumatized in the church or they've been traumatized by domestic violence, because there's so many, there's so many traumatic wording and phrasing from narcissists and antisocial personality disorders that gets used in gaslighting. And religious gaslighting is a whole thing. That's a whole real thing. And what happens is, is you've got someone who's so traumatized and they're sitting in the pew and they're like, you're telling me I'm never going to be worth anything. Guess what? The person who just held me captive told me that for 10 years, but you're hmm. telling me from the, pl- the platform that like, I'm never going to be worth anything because God paid it all. And I owe him everything. And in scriptural context, we get what that means right. in, a traumatized, in a traumatized brain. They don't get that. Yeah. You know, so it's like, there's different language that on our end, in the scriptural side, we understand what the context means but when you get someone who's traumatized comes in and they're like, they're sitting in the pew having a PTSD symptom. Cause they're like, oh, you're saying the same language. Oh my God, I'm back in wow. this again. And they're trying to find the exit. Mm-hmm. They're trying to go away, you know? And so it's, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. Cause you don't, you don't think about that as you know, as the people yeah. that come in and you know, and that you don't know what they've been told. And so yeah, like, you'll never be nothing then? without me. You know, yeah. that's a big
1: one. You'll never be nothing without me. We are nothing without Christ. Right. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Like it's, it's yeah. a fine line. You know, there's a fine line between having spiritual gifts and having a clinical diagnosis. That is true. <laughs> that's a, That's a whole nother conversation because there's some people they're super charismatic and everybody loves them. And the clinical people are going, oh no, that's mania walking right there. <laughs> <laughs> that's not spiritual gifts. That's mania. <laughs> it's a, there's a fine line,
0: and, and we <laughs> have to be able to discern that because I when I whew, my 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 antennas go go off, yes, I, yes, I don't think that that's right, but you yeah, know.
1: yeah, we need more people to have the antennas go off. And we need more pastors to be able to go, your antennas went off. What did I say? Mm -hmm. And, you know, be able to be like, I didn't mean for it to be that way. That's a big boundary thing. You know, being able to go to a pastor and say, you know, or a youth leader or a music leader or, you know, someone who's in charge, Hey, you know what? You said this, I heard this and this is what I feel like you said to me. Mm -hmm. And I teach this with so many of my clients go to somebody in that moment, because with trauma, you have to be able to face the trauma, trauma bond. You have to face this stuff. So you turn around and ask them, is, is this what you meant to say? Yeah. And if they come to you and go, Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. This is what I meant to say. I'm sorry that it came out that way. You've got a good person, Yeah. but if they gaslight you and flip it and it's your fault and you took it the wrong way and you know, all this stuff, Mm, probably not a good person. You might want some distance.
0: hmm <laughs> it's, it's a whole nother level of 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 healing, which yes. you, you know, and that's how you, you got to work through it. You got to address it. it. Yes. 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 <laughs> I'm telling you.
1: This has been fun.
0: <laughs> so I just just some other. um you know, information as just Mm far as the, for the listeners, what is your mission for greater purpose counseling? Like, what is that mission for?
1: My, my mission is that clinical therapy for people who still want to be a Christian. Honestly, you know, I do work with atheists. I do work with different people like that, but I want, and there's not enough clinical apostolic therapists. And this will be a shameless plug for the Center for Apostolic Counseling, the CAC. We have a lot of people that within the apostolic community that are in that network that are clinical in different states and we're growing, Mm -hmm. but there's not enough of us. And so being able to say, I understand you, I get your doctrine, I get your Bible, I get your Holy Ghost, you know, I get it because I'm in it. That's my belief system. That's I'm right there. And so being able to be that beacon that says, hey, we we hire clinical apostolics. You know, mm-hmm. we hire people who have different, you know, niches and different skill sets to work with the apostolic community, to be that place that they can come and no one's gonna be like, ooh, you're schizophrenic. Now, if you're schizophrenic, you're gonna get the diagnosis. Like we're gonna <laughs> be like, baby, you need the shot. <laughs> Cause that's different. But we want to be that safe place that we can break the stigma. But then the other aspect of what I want the vision with greater purpose counseling is really the psychoeducation in the churches, yeah. being able to get into the churches and work with the teams and not to shame them to be like, how do you not know this? But to come in and just be like, hey, this is what mental health looks like. This is what trauma-informed care looks like. This is what LGBTQ language is in 2021. Like, not that we want to change your stance on, you know, your stance on homosexuality, but like 1950 language and 1921, 1920 uh, 2021 language, I can't even talk anymore, is completely different. And you have yeah. to know, this is the first generation that it's, I mean, everything with LGBTQ community is, it, it's, it's everywhere. Yeah. It's in the youth group, it's, you know, young adults, it's, a, you know, new people coming in. And if you have no idea what the language is, you have no idea what the people are saying that's sitting on your pew. So mm-hmm. just being able to come in and really empower the teams, like these are resources, teach them resources, teach them some skills, point them in the direction for trainings, you know, being able to just be say, Hey, this is what you can do. And we want to help. And we want to help pastors be able to keep saints and keep people in the body of the Christ you know, so that they can be able to have a skill set that helps somebody. So then they're not leaving and just being like, I'm out, you know, and work on the communication piece, because that's another thing that happens is you got someone who's got this stuff going on and you got this one going on, but no one in the church is really good at conflict resolution. They don't know how to sit down and listen to you did this and it hurt me. And, oh, wait a minute. I did do that that I shouldn't have done that I took the situation my family situation out on you let me figure out let me learn something but being able to really work with them so they keep the people in their church and you know they stop losing people and they keep team members you know because that's another dynamic is you know with the lack of conflict resolution and training and you know different things you've got music leaders and youth leaders and you know well God called me out of this church and it's like God calls people out of churches, but he may not have called you to go to the church down the street. You just went over there because your feelings got hurt.
0: Come on. Do you do online service? Your, so your services are online? So and-
1: clinically, I can only work with anyone in Indiana right now. Okay. In 22, there's a couple of different states I plan on, like, I plan on getting licensed in multiple states. And then I will be able to virtually work with them also. But right now, legally, I can only work with anyone in Indiana. But the training services, I can do with anybody. Like the trainings, the symbus, the premarital counseling. We do book clubs. We have like different kind of group support groups that we do that it can be, you don't have to be in Indiana. And so we have different things that we can do that kind of help. So I do plan on actually starting... Um, it'll probably be in January cause I, I got to get past some stuff. Um, but I do plan on starting like a, a minister's wives group yeah. that's very private, very close run it in like eight week cycles just so that they have support. Like, Hey, we're going to run this group. It's going to be a support group. You can come and we can really talk about the stuff that you can't talk about with anybody because there's right. a lot of pressure and isolation for women who are, ma- who are in ministry, you know, and they're not married and yes. women who, you know, they're, they're married and they're doing stuff. So like yes, being able to create that kind of group. Um, so yeah, there's different things that we
0: do. Okay. Well, I'm excited for, yes. for, for being, you being a part of this, this, uh, talk with me and just giving a little insight. We could have went on and on. I'm, I'm telling you, we, we <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, man, I'm just, I'm just trying to <laughs> hold it together, but, but, um, um. I'm excited for the direction that you're Mm -hmm. going and, and greater purpose. I think it's awesome. Like, like they said, where were you when I was in high school? Yeah. (laughs) And so, and that, that happens, but I'm as, as you continue to do things, I'm going to continue to reach out and I'm going to continue to share what your groups and I may be a part of them. Cause I do remember that you had one with, it was a book about,
1: Oh, the Unraveled Group, yes. yeah, because yes. it's, it's it's basically the faith version of DBT, and DBT is good for anyone who's ever had addictions and you know yeah. um, abuse and broken relationships. Um, but this is like the faith based version of it because it's faith based. We can cross state lines with it, and so Aaron is actually um, doing a group right now, and then when it's done, we'll start the next cycle. But it is hands, and I'm sure that book is down. All my stuff from conference is still just sitting in the garage on the floor. But that material is, it's so amazing because they do such a great job of marrying um, the clinical and scripture. I mean, the thing that I would say that we run into is there's really not a lot of good clinical apostolic material. So it's kind of forcing the hand that all of us have to step out of our comfort zone and make it.
0: And, mm-hmm. you know,
1: that'll be the other thing that I eventually get down is I, I the first thing I want to do is make a trauma workbook Yeah. that I can get that one out because I do use a lot of different trauma books that they're, and they're just not Christian, but their clinical is so good because there's right. really not good stuff that's on the Christian side that's yeah. you know on the apostolic side. So, um, yeah, any of that, thank you. Thank you so much for letting me come on here and, um, talk and ramble and anytime you ever want me to be back on here or you want to talk, just let me know.
0: Yes. I will
1: be more than happy, happy. Because any any way that I can normalize mental health and spiritual health and normalize like mental health in the church, I, I absolutely want to be a part of that in any way.
0: Definitely. Definitely. Well I thank you again, Miss Miss Felicia. yeah <laughs>